Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Hey, hey, team. Today joining me on In a Mississippi Minute is someone I truly admire and really been looking forward to sharing with you his story. He's a lawyer, former lobbyist, an award-winning author, an inductee into the Delta State University's Hall of Fame, Let's Go Fighting Okra, where he began serving as the 8th president of Delta State University back in April of 2013. A devoted husband and father, he plays a mean guitar. I've seen it, witnessed it, felt it, loves the Beatles, and there's more. So here we go. Let the games begin. Please welcome President Bill LaForge. What's going on, Bill? Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience today. Thanks for inviting me on. Are we in the office? Are we in the Oval Office of Delta State right now? Well, it's not too oval. It's pretty uh, rectangular, but I'm there and uh, just uh, kind of doing the work of the Lord, as you say. All right. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's – it's hard to start sometimes. Uh, you know, I've got this sort of plan in my mind how we're going to do this, but then then as I, as I start my conversation before we start uh, to talk and record, uh, my mind starts to vary. Take me back to growing up. I want to know what little Bill LaForge was like, because the journey to where you are now has been long. It's been uh, very, uh, I guess the word is, um, I mean, you've jumped from one cool train track to the other. A lot of things that don't seem to have a lot to do with each other, but maybe they do. Uh, You're very well versed in life. And I think that's what makes a great president of any kind. Somebody's running an institution like Delta State. So take me back to growing up as a kid. Where'd you grow up? What was it like living in the LaForge household uh, as a youth? Well, first of all, thank you for your kind comments. I, uh, I, I'm blessed and fortunate to have grown up uh, in the family I did. Uh, I didn't have any control over that, of course, and so I uh, give a lot of credit to my parents for the type of household I grew up in. It was one of fairness and <clears throat> social justice and uh, an understanding of life and uh, the concept of service, community. My dad, of course, was dean of arts and sciences here at Delta State and a professor for many years, from 1957 till he passed in 1992. Mm. So growing up in that household, I, I had no choice but to understand that uh, you you serve. Right. Uh, he and my mother were both great examples in that respect, both to church uh, and to the university, but also to community activities as well. He was very involved with with uh, Cleveland and Bolivar County activities, and 
was uh, quite the academic himself. So it was fortunate to, for me to grow up in that household. Uh, we were uh, exposed to uh, books and reading and life in general and great conversations about the world. And my dad was part of the, the uh, greatest generation. He was drafted twice, once into World War II and once into Korea. And uh, so I heard some great stories and uh, just had a great solid background growing up in his household. Went to school here. Yeah, uh, you went to school Cleveland High? Is that where you went to school? Yeah, I, I, the joke for us who uh, grew up in Cleveland used to be uh, I got my whole education <laughs> on Sunflower Road. I went to uh, Pierman Elementary, Margaret Green Junior High, Cleveland High School. I finished there in 68. Uh, Mayor Nowell and I were classmates then and in college. And I came to Delta State and had four uh, terrific years at Delta State. Those were very formative years for me and uh, kind of, in a sense, laid the foundation for what I'm doing and where I am today because I've been here as a student, and I, I tell people all the time, I want our students today to have the same sort of opportunity and experience that I had, except on steroids today. You seem to have a gleam in your eye when you're, there's a challenge, and it just doesn't seem anything to bother you. And, and I love that about you because your spirit is, let's go get it. So what are your challenges in today? running an institution of this size, and, and growing it? I'd say uh, the challenges probably revolve around three basic concepts. Uh, uh, finances, our budget, uh, enrollment, uh, you know, making sure that we're uh, a growing and sustained institution, and then relevance is the third prong. Uh, are we producing, uh, are we offering the courses that will produce the graduates that the Delta and Mississippi and this part of the country need? Uh, each one of those is very important. You know, I inherited kind of a tough budget situation here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my predecessor had taken them through uh, the post-2008 uh, market situation, and things were tough in the state with budget cuts, and so we have had to do some budget trimming along the way, and we pretty well uh, wrestled our budget to the ground, and we think we have some sustainability in place now. Enrollment, kind of the same picture. We've had eight straight years of decline in enrollment. Wow. Uh, when I arrived in 2013, and uh, we've had uh, five years of either growth or uh, break-even. Basically, this year we pretty much stayed even. We were five students less this year than last year, statistically insignificant. Uh, but we were trying to grow and, and adapt because of the nature of the university today, the composition, uh, the demographics are very different than when you and I were in school, right. uh, even though we were here at different times based on uh, the number of uh, all online students. We have more than 600 students totally online. They I mean, don't live here. I love that. Be and, anywhere. And you told me about this. So yeah. you've got to be in that online game, right? You've got to be today. You don't have to do that exclusively. But if you don't offer it, you're missing a wonderful opportunity, and you're going to find a market that needs it out there. So we have to do that. That's part of being relevant. It's part of enrollment. It's also part of finance. It all ties together. We need First-time, full-time students. We need new students here to keep this place sustainable, and we have a great story to tell. We have a terrific faculty teaching everything we really need to, and then we have some significant programs that are signature that you know well about, including DMI. And uh, so that relevance is a factor we're trying to stay ahead of the curve on all the time. And uh, we think we're doing some great things there, and we we want to educate this Delta. We still have a lot, as you know, Steve, of... uh, uh, first-generation students, college students, students who come from uh, impoverished backgrounds and who have had 
educational opportunities that have not right. really prepared them well for college. So we have a big job to do here. Okay, so let's dig. Let's dig a little bit in one of the things that you know. Obviously, be both being sports fans. Uh, and I'm going to come to a game with you, uh, maybe you too, hopefully watch some basketball because you know how I feel about the hoops. But you've got a new athletic director, and we haven't had many, even going back as far as when you were there and I, w- I was there. That's what I love. There's There's people that come into positions and roles, and not only do they stay there a long time, and I guess one has to do with the other, they're successful. Uh, you have new. So who's your who's our new guy? Our baseball coach has taken on the new role as athletic director, a true green and white guy all the way through, has just had a, a terrific career here as a baseball coach, building on the, the legacy that Coach Ferris and Coach Marchant left. Uh, as you know, Mike played for Boo back in right. the late 70s, was All-American, played our, plays our shortstop, has a great rags-to-riches story about how he came to play and get a uniform and all that. and. Uh, just does a terrific job with our team, and I know he's going to be great. We had a terrific search with a very talented search committee here on campus that uh, interviewed folks and said, hey, one of our own is the best. We're going to go with it. I love so it. we're excited about Mike coming in, and he takes over for a guy who's uh, unparalleled in his uh, uh, years of devotion to Del State, Ronnie Myers, our outgoing oh, AD. Yeah. Served here at AD for the whole time I've been here so far, five and a half years. But before that, uh, was here for a total of 42 years as an employee, as a coach, as an instructor. He had terrific su- success in our swim dive Swimming. program right. and was here for five years as a student to get his undergraduate and graduate degree. He and I were in school together, you know, 40-plus years ago. You know, when I went to Delta State, I was supposedly going to play tennis, and <clears throat> my doubles partner that I grew up with stuck it out for a little while, and uh, and I just I wanted to play football and basketball and intramurals and everything. I just couldn't see myself dedicating right. myself to one sport. But right. uh, but just the whole thrill of getting there and falling in love with it. I mean, I, I can't wait to talk more about our fight. I, we call them our fighting okra, but our statesman, Delta State. We're with President Bill LaForge. I'm Steve Azar. This is a sentimental thing to me. We're going to be right back here in Mississippi, man. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper-infused fabric, and they use high-quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial, and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the Omni Flow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're with President Bill LaForge. What's the chance of uh, Such a great guy, great leader for Delta State University. All right, President, got to go backwards a little bit. I remember being in the Pike fraternity, uh, and uh, President LaForge, you were uh, president of the National Pike chapter, and were you as well at Delta State Zeta Beta? No, that's right. I, I was not president of the chapter when I was here. We were loaded with terrific leadership uh, as an undergraduate chapter, and we grew to be more than 100 while I was an undergraduate here. We kind of had some great years, but I stayed involved as a volunteer. Actually, when I left Delta State, I went to work for the fraternity headquartered in Memphis and traveled as a consultant all around the country for a year. It was a great experience for me. I learned a lot about the organization. And while I was in law school at Ole Miss, I was actually advisor to our chapter up there for a couple of years and uh, went on our board. Eventually, I was a regional president and moved up. And in 1984, I was elected national president. So that's uh, I've been involved with the uh, interfraternity world and with Greek life uh, nationally uh, since I was a freshman 50 years ago right now. I was a freshman and the pledge in the fraternity in the fall of 1968. Wow. That's how old I am. <laughs> so what made you decide, you're not that old, you're just, you're just getting started, but, but what made you decide to, to sort of go that direction? And because you went that direction, and you, you become president of Zeta Beta, right? I'm correct. No, I was not president of the chapter. Oh, oh wait, wait, what, so what was it? Because you got to straighten me out I'm here. President. I'm sorry? I was national president. Na- that's what I mean. National- organization okay. nationwide. Okay, okay, so you're president of all the Pike chapters around the country. Right. Zeta Beta was us. See, I, see how long it's been for me? You think you're getting old. I can't even remember what, what was left and right. Uh, and I was, uh, and I spent a lot of time in that chapter room, so I should know. Okay, so do you think that that sort of set things up for you uh, in, in the journey that you've been on? Do you think that had to happen? And what was... And Certainly... What, two ways. First, in the fraternity itself, obviously. I was in the first group that lived in the Court of Governors. Uh, right. we, we moved in there in the fall of, of the summer, actually, of 1970. Okay. And uh, we've closed that residence hall now, and we're going to decide what to do with it soon. But uh, that's where the fraternity system has been for the last uh, 40-something years, almost 50 years. Um, that experience I had, as I mentioned, I had a great four years at Delta State, and a, a big piece of that was my fraternity involvement, without question. And the real answer is not necessarily the colors or the motto or the ritual as much as it was the guys that I got to know, the people who were my best friends then, including others on campus as well. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those guys in the fraternity were in my wedding. They are my best friends today. Uh, You and I met that way. Uh, It's it's an interesting sort of thing. So it's not everything, and a lot lot of folks don't uh, associate with Greek organizations, and that's fine too, but it is a – thriving business on this campus. It's a great way for social life to uh, be maintained, and there's a service component to that, philanthropic uh, concern, a lot of good things going on in Greek life. And certainly within the fraternity, it it created, for me, a sense of of belonging and a sense of commitment. Um, You know, uh, another fellow and I went to a national event after our freshman year and decided there's no reason we couldn't become the best chapter in the country, and we did. We did just that. And uh, became we won the Smythe Award, and uh, before we graduated, I remember and what that, that was is. a cool thing. Yeah, and I went on and was a volunteer with the organization because I believe in it. And today, I'm very involved with it still as a foundation board member, and we raise money to uh, support our chapters and leadership development and things like that. 
but it was a component of my college experience. It was one piece of it, and an important one at that. But it also laid the foundation for lessons that I learned that have helped me throughout my career, including where I am now, things about teamwork and leadership, uh, dealing well with people, and that sort of thing. So life's lessons come in many, many ways. So when do you go? We're talking to President Bill LaForge, Delta State University. So have you always had sort of a thrill of learning? Uh, It's continuous. You know, I tell students now, I said, you never stop learning. You shouldn't. And so, yeah, I, I love university life. Uh, in all its aspects, and I've been a student here and abroad, and teach here and abroad, and uh, it, it's just part of my fabric, I guess. I love I love that. So, when do you and Nancy meet, and how does all that happen? Nancy and I met in front of the Pike House at Ole Miss. Huh. Well, there and, you go. Uh, my first year in law school. And how long have you guys been married? Uh, let's see, seventy-six, forty-two years. I have to count myself now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we got right. married in the bicentennial year. I love sure that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, you know, the the beauty of having the perfect lady in your life, boy, it makes everything else sort of you can focus. And I know you've had it. I've had it, and it's been a pretty cool journey. You know, having the right person by your side. Uh, and Absolutely. In our, uh, you know, the you have children, and you right. just, it becomes a whole new world to you. Boy, it does, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Okay, so let's talk aviation department because when I was. At Delta State, had uh, quite a few friends, actually. Uh, some of them fly for UPS now. I've been born yeah. flies in China. My buddy Larry Gore, my, there's Jim Viner. I, I can name so many of my friends that we all lived right by each other or with each other. And and they were, uh, they've become great pilots. Now, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, yeah. Tell our listeners about, if you want to learn to fly, <laughs> our place is the place. This is the place. We're the only aviation program at the university level in Mississippi, and uh, where we allow uh, students to come in here and have a great experience. You get a degree, uh, either in uh, management or logistics or in flight operations, meaning you're a pilot. You get a pilot's license. You can stay and be an instructor, and then go on and get uh, advanced training later. But it's a great entree into the airline industry, and it's been a very important part of Delft State since the. Uh, early to mid-80s. Uh, by coincidence, uh, Senator Cochran and I were on the ground floor of writing the original appropriations language into law in uh, 1982 or 3, I guess it was, mm. 3 or 4, uh, to create the Airway Science Program that was the beginning of our program here. Right. And it's just gone great guns, and we're growing again because there's such a great uh, demand for pilots. The guys my age and a little younger are graduating. They're, they're retiring out of the skies, and there's going to be a huge demand over the next five to ten years. So we can't keep enough instructors here to, wow. to deal with the students coming in. So it's a great problem to have, and it's a growth industry for us. Great place to come. I've been reading a lot about how there's they, they call it a shortage, or they call it what you said. There's a lot of people retiring probably. I mean, it's, it's uh, right. so to stay on top of that, well, that's amazing. And then then the nursing school. So all the all the people we've known in our lives that have gone Delta State and the great nursing school we have. It is terrific. We were just ranked this past year the number one nursing program in the state. We have an, uh, one of the top uh, online programs for graduate degrees, including a doctorate uh, nationwide. Uh, the economics of those programs are incredible. We're a great bargain, just as we are with our base tuition here. And aviation, by the way, while it's much more expensive than your average four years here, is still the best bargain in the country. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of great aviation programs at schools like 
uh, Indiana, Purdue, or uh, North Dakota State, uh, Embry-Riddle in Florida, places like that, they're all super expensive, and we are a bargain compared to them. The same in nursing, and our students get a great experience here. They get clinicals, and uh, almost 100% of our students pass the state licensing exam the first time and go right into practice, and we're doubly contributing because not only are they getting great educations, they're getting great jobs, and we're churning many of them back into the Delta and to the Mississippi economy. Wow, I just, I just love it. That's fantastic. Okay, great so cycle. Oh, no, it is a great cycle. You're exactly right. So, President, so what about – I was gone. I was still in Nashville when I heard the word that, you know, well, there's a statesman, but how can you be a lady statesman? And we're looking for a sort of a, another side mascot or whatever. Okay, so do you know the story about how the Fighting Ochre came about and who, who's, who's responsible? Because I dig it. All my friends dig it. It's a conversation piece, and uh, it's just cool. You know, I've got Fighting Ochre all over. It's in my car. It's, it's everywhere. The little guy's everywhere. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, there are several stories and legends, and there's probably <laughs> one that's really true, and it's uh, baseball players in 1988 were looking for an alternative to the statesman, which they considered a little lame and soft and uh, antiquated. It's not, and it's still our official mascot. We are the statesman and the lady statesman. But they came up with a couple of suggestions and were testing them out, and they finally got around kind of jokingly to the okra. And it's like a nickname in life, Steve. A lot of kids, when they're young, get a nickname, and it sticks with them for life. And uh, fighting okra stuck. And so uh, now we have it, and, boy, if we tried to do away with it, the students would have my neck, I'm sure. No, you so can't. that's how it originated in the late 80s, and a couple of baseball players are sitting around and said, uh, well, what can we come up with a mean vegetable? So there's a longer narrative about this, but that's the short shrift. I didn't know it went back that far. You know? Yeah, the late 80s, 1988. Vicky Janelli has written the uh, definitive story on how it happened. Kind of reminds me of the crossroads. You really don't know exactly. Is it in Dockery? Is it in Clarksdale? At my cousin Abe's? We don't know. It's sort of like, uh, it's a little bit. Not Clarksdale. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, it's probably Dockery. Okay. <laughs> I love that. It. Well, you're dedicated. I love that. My cousin Abe may, may argue with you. But I'm with, sure he would, but they got the sign 49 and 61 up there, but that doesn't mean that they are a crossroads, but are they the crossroads? No, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're with President Bill LaForge. You get to play DJ. You know we're the birthplace of American music. You're celebrated right there with the Grammy Museum, which we're going to talk about in a little bit on campus at Delta State. Uh, would you like to hear a little Little Milton or a little Paul Davis? Uh, your choice. No, it's your choice. You're the boss today. Little Milton. You're always the boss. We're talking to President Bill LaForge, Delta State University. I'd like to hear a little Milton as well. You're in the Mississippi Minutes. Now. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar with President Bill LaForge. He is a Delta native and he is doing all things Delta State University. He's running the show. Uh, I am very biased. Uh, I I love my alma mater. Um, I appreciate them giving me a degree. I I still wake up in the middle of the night, President, going, uh, I forget, 
I'm thinking I forgot. You know, my, my nightmares are I didn't study for a test. I had that horrible <laughs> sinking feeling, and uh, but I wake up and I and I go make sure the degree is still there. And I and I'm, I'm I just love that. That's where I went, and it also so gives. Go ahead, I'm your sorry. degree is worth more now than it was when you graduated for two reasons. All right, let me know why. We know we now require each graduate in every major to do a capstone project, and we require every major, uh, every graduate, to take two enhanced writing skill courses in their senior year. Hmm. And so we're preparing our students much better than we were before. So at Delta State, shingle means more now out in the business place and at graduate schools than it did before, and we can all be proud of that. I love that. It makes our students more marketable, yeah. uh, more sellable, and uh, more skill set. Well, communicative skills. I mean, you think yes, about it. absolutely. With, with today, with the way kids communicate, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's wrong, but how do you handle that uh, and, and teach that? The, you know, just the importance of looking somebody in the eye, the importance of shaking their hand, giving them a hug, talking to them. Uh, I mean, are, do y'all get together sometimes and go, we got to work on this, or we got to stay focused on, on old school communication skills, which will never get old, Right. You're exactly right. Um, I'm big on that personally. Uh, the book I wrote, uh, Testifying Before Congress, is all about communications. And, and everything we're doing has to require a communications component, uh, verbal and writing. And the writing skills requirement we've injected is, is going right to that uh, issue you mentioned. We want to make sure that we're producing good writers because that is at a premium. You know, my former boss, Thad Cochran, once told me, one of the reasons I picked you for my staff is because I like the way you write. Wow. You know, those are golden words, and it was more than flattering. It's, a, it's an important mantra for people who want to say, is there value to writing in your field? You know, not necessarily a five-paragraph theme, but can you write in music industry? Can you write in nursing? Can you write for business? Um, we do this uh, anecdotally around campus. People, you know, will inject things into their coursework, and under academic freedom, the professors, you know, have the opportunity to kind of teach a methodology they like in their their field. Right. We also focus on this through something new on campus that's very exciting we have for our faculty. It's an in-house professional development entity, Steve. It's called the Center for Teaching and Learning. We started about a year and a half ago, and this early this year, uh, we were able to get a wonderful grant from the Gertrude Ford Foundation that will continue this program for us in perpetuity. We got a $3 million grant from them. We use some of the dollars operationally. The rest of the money over the next 15 or so years will put aside to keep that program going. And it teaches our faculty not content for their courses, but how to deal with today's youth, how to relate to and communicate right. with the millennials, how to tell them how to do better. So there are a lot of things in terms of what we call pedagogy or methodology that this particular function on campus can provide our faculty that many universities don't have. So this is a big feather in our cap for our faculty. I just love it. That's incredible. Okay, let's jump to, let's jump to Cleveland. You know, uh, with Delta, I can't see Cleveland without Delta State. I can't see Delta State without Cleveland. They fit each other so well. And as you guys have developed, and, and, and obviously Mayor Billy Nile has really done a great job, you, you, you guys all seem to be in such sync together uh, as a community and a university. Uh, downtown's as charming as it gets. It's growing. Uh, let's talk about how we landed the Grammy Museum because, you know, it was the second one. Um, the we competition was big. Uh, 
can you take me through that? And obviously it's on part of our old golf course, which I, you know, it's funny. Uh, the Delta Music Institute is where we used to play basketball. And the Grammy Museum is where we used to play golf. And yes, and in my case, it was poorly, poorly played no, no, golf. No, both of us. But anyway, the point was, of, of all the things to land there, music yeah. being that, and you and I both are music fans. We love to play play music. Uh, it's obviously been a big part of your life and my life. Um, I just feel well, like... Well, you're trying so to include me in the music world. That you're I allowed, love it. You I'm love hardly it. that. You love it you, like I do. You're the professional. Well, but you love it like I do, and you can bring it. I've seen it. I love it. So, so let's talk about how how did we get the Grammy Museum? Well, you and I know our history, but we're still yeah. battling dragons, big cities with a lot of money. Sure. What, what went down there? Well, I think back early in the two thousand, in the first decade of this century, um, uh, Governor Haley Barber and others uh, saw the the connection with Los Angeles, and they had the Grammy nights in Mississippi, and things were honored in Jackson and people realized around the country and throughout the music and recording industry the importance of Mississippi. As some people have said, uh, Roseanne Cash, I think, actually said this in Dockery a couple of years ago. She said, there's no American music without Mississippi. And, and that's the case. It either was born here or came through here and was revised, whether it's rock or country western or uh, soul music or Absolutely. delta soul, like you play, or blues, of course, jazz, everything. So with that focus, plus the fact that a, an extraordinarily uh, over-the-top percentage of Grammy recipients come from Mississippi, historically. Yeah. So all of that kind of combined with the fact that Delta State uh, has its music-focused nature. We are very music-centric with the DMI, with our BPAC, Bologna Performing Arts Center, an outstanding music department where we've just renovated the Ziegle Hall building where they're housed, and right. now the Grammy Museum, we even have music across the campus on speakers uh, out on the grounds all over the campus now. So you put all that together with our blues conference that we have in the fall, it's a, it's a wonderful combination or cocktail, if you will, for music. And I think the, those who decided the Grammy Museum should come here particularly looked at DMI, you know, our own recording studio, our own recording label here where right. you're involved as an adjunct. Um, these things all kind of came together and. Cleveland made sense, and uh, we're making hay from it. So for people that don't know, uh, the uh, the Grammy Museum sits there, and then the second Grammy Museum. Is there another one in Jersey? Isn't there one in the Maine? Yeah, they're putting a, there's a small one in New Jersey, and I think they're putting one in Oregon, and they're right. building one in Beijing. Oh, wow. But we're still always going to be the second one. We were always the second. I love The it. mothership being in Los Angeles, of course, and, um, you know, it's a great opportunity. And, I, and yes, it is on our golf course, our that lease was uh, uh, signed just before I arrived in 2013. I think the deal was cut in 2012. I actually signed the lease. Uh, it's a 99-year lease to the Cleveland Music Foundation, which is the governing body uh, that's subsidiary to Grammy uh, Los Angeles. But the Grammy label and all is connected to the recording industry, as you know. Right. And so they kind of govern all of that. So we're a subset. We're a franchise, if you will. But that sits on the uh, right on the Sunflower Road end of a. Uh, it was actually a, there was a tee there on our golf course. What was that number seven? I think it was. Uh, yeah, seven or six or seven. I can't six, remember Six now. and seven, I think, because you had the green. Yeah, yeah, that little tee. I I, I used to hit. That's it. right. That's where it is, right there. And um, so we have a great partnership. They're on their own. They're not connected to the university per se, but we have a formal partnership uh, with the Grammy for educational purposes, because their primary focus is education. 
Of course. And, uh, you know, through historical uh, and heritage things and cultural things. So we have programming together that we do. So we have actually a written agreement with them for a formal partnership. And we work together. Uh, I serve on that board ex officio. I'm able to appoint uh, someone else. So I've appointed the chair of our music department, who is on the board as ex officio. And then Tricia Walker, who is, as you well know, director of our Delta Music Institute, DMI, uh, serves in her own right. She was elected as an independent board member. So uh, Delta State has great representation. We work very carefully uh, throughout the year to make sure that we are good partners Absolutely. with them. And, of course, First Lady of the City, Becky Nowell, Mayor Nowell's wife, is the president of that board now. So uh, we're all uh, all compatriots trying to do the same good work. She's an incredible lady, Becky. Incredible. She's a go-getter. She gets stuff done, and, she, and she's lit up the town. I she see sure is. Uh, the night, the 50 <laughs> nights of lights downtown are yeah. an incredible addition to the city and bringing people to the community, and uh, we're very, very happy and pleased with that. She's done a terrific job. Yeah, for people that haven't been to Cleveland, Mississippi, you got to check it out, especially around the holidays. It's amazing. It's just really charming. There's the only way you can explain it, and it's diverse, and it's beautiful. And anyway, it's, it's one of my homes. You know, I, you know, I always make the – everybody goes, You're, aren't you from Greenville? And I go, well, but I grew up playing every – semi i call them major cities you know from indianola <laughs> clarksdale wherever it was I, I grew up playing i went to delta state delta state gave me a stage to play on and really develop uh my fraternity brothers and sorority sister friends everybody started to come see me play it gave me confidence it led me to another university to arkansas where i met my wife i mean it just never ended i mean it started there and it started down well, your national connections uh, are doing things you don't even know about just last week i I was asked by the Grammy Museum here for one of their soundstage programs to moderate a program and interview Andy Childs. Right. And he asked about you. Oh, I love so he Andy. remembers you. Well, yeah, we all grew up together doing trying trying to trying to find that's, the that's way. That's right. He did a great job, by the way, and did up did a great performance the other night doing some Elvis tunes yeah, and some yeah. other things. Yeah, he does incredible. He's been doing Elvis better than anybody yeah. that's tried to do Elvis, you know. We're with President Bill LaForge. I'm Steve Azar. We're gonna be right back here in the Mississippi now. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It was at the end of Indianola. I'm Steve Azar with President Bill LaForge. The Delta Music Institute, I have had the privilege of serving as artist in resident since I got back. And it is like I go and I come home rejuvenated and alive. Obviously, there's the challenge of keeping kids here. So for people that don't understand the Delta Music Institute, it is a full onboard curriculum. You learn it all about the business. It is on. And if I'd have had this, instead of being a really bad pre-med major for a while and ended up in business, whatever, the bottom line is I really feel like it would have advanced my career by a decade. I mean, I, I'm putting a number to it because, for you know, it's an amazing thing. It's uh, I'm, And now that the curriculum has really grown and there's over 100 kids in it, in that major, I'm seeing with, with numbers comes talent. It comes quality. It's just the way it is. And the talent that's that's there is blowing my mind 
And it just, I right. come home going like, okay, how do we, how do we, uh, it's no different from being in Music City, you know? And so the challenge for uh, Trisha and I, we get together and we go, as artists, as Trisha's an artist and I'm an artist, so maybe you can help fix this. this is maybe that's what I'm asking for. Our challenge is we, n we're artists first and our heart comes first. And the business, it's a tough business. And for us to want to just go, okay, like my attorney in New York, just sign them. I can't just sign somebody. I, I want them to love me later, you know? So Trisha and I always have that battle within ourselves to make sure that we take care of the student first and what's right. best for their career. If we could figure right. out how to keep them and develop them just like Trisha and I were developed in Music City, Norbert Putnam was developed, you know, in, in Muscle Shows in the Music City. Once we figure out how to keep them here, then then I think it'd be such a game on, and I feel like it's coming. You know what I mean? Right. You all went through basically the school of hard hard knocks. Right. Whereas we're trying to put this into a curriculum in a university setting. Uh, you know, there's an old adage about lawyers not being very good marketers. I understand that. That's the world I came from. And folks in the music industry are, are doing the creative work. They're not necessarily involved with the business. So what we do, cut right to that chase you just mentioned, we help create smarts and savvy so that individuals who finish this program have a business sense because there is this entrepreneurial, this business focus. And, and this is also a growth industry for the university. We have, as you said, more than 100 students in the program, everything from stage production to talent agency to songwriting to performance. Yeah. We have three uh, active live groups, all of whom played last week at uh, a, a pre-graduation thing down at Hey Joe's. Um, I mean, just some outstanding talent there, and we want to turn some of it back into the Delta and into the Mississippi economy. Exactly, and that's the point. You know, as Governor Bryant's been, you know, he, he he's on me. He says, let's get some big acts recording in the, at the Delta Music, Music Institute. Let's get them recording Meridian. You know, Marty Stewart's right. about to come home to Philadelphia with his 20,000s of memorabilia, country memorabilia that's earth-shattering, you know. And so there's just so much that musically, if we could just grab a hold of, uh, I, I think that it could become a money maker for us and, and 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 the reason i say that is people will come to to they're coming now but i'd like to see a lot of the artists live here you know like when i came back home it's been a blessing and it and it it, it slowed things down for a minute because i was on a particular road but things have picked up again and i love that and it's on my terms which is a lot better and it's a, i can live with myself a lot better and i'm also more honest with myself musically so right I think that being at the DMI, being around the students, if I'm going to preach it, I've got to live it. And so the Delta Music Institute for for me has helped me find myself further along than ever. And I feel like I'm more genuine now than I was. Well, there's just there's just no uh there's no figuring it out. It's just okay, just do it. Yeah, in academics there's an old adage, <clears throat> you can know a subject, but when you have to teach it, you really have to know it. And so uh, there, there's a lesson there for us. You know, uh, the outcome of all this, as you point out, is, is improved economic development for the Delta. Uh, it's a win-win for everybody if we get involved with this, engage ourselves, and I think we have a bright future. I mean, Cleveland's growing in that respect. Delta State will be. We have hotels coming into the area. Uh, we have a plan for a conference center on our campus. There are all sorts of great ideas of, of what this community is going to be and look like, and I think it will attract. Uh, entertainers. I think it'll attract people to retire here. Uh, you know, Oxford and Starkville and other cities like Chapel Hill and New Haven have 
been doing this for years. Why not Cleveland? Uh, I just think that uh, that we're just such in such great hands, and uh, this is my radio show, and I get to celebrate that. I get this. Delta State's such a huge part of my past. It's a huge part of my today, um, and uh, and I'm an Oakridge at heart, man. I'm a statesman at heart. And it's just. It just it it just really helped mold me, and it continues to. So I, I appreciate you jumping on the horn to articulate it in a lot more intelligent way than I can, as my listeners know. Uh, so uh, it's been great having you on in Mississippi Minute, and uh, blessings to you and Nancy and the kids, and and I'll see you on campus at a game. Thank you, Steve. Thank you the best to you and Gwen, and uh, thank you for your uh, celebration of Delta State. We appreciate it. And we value you very much as one of our outstanding alums. I appreciate you. I love it. Thanks a million. Blessings. Bye-bye. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.